Welcome to Rebecca Neal, the podcast where I, Rebecca, your host, share thought-provoking episodes with you to help you take your life from where it is now to where you want it to be. I have a huge desire and passion to help people just like you get out of their own way and start living the life that they deserve. I'm here to help you feel empowered, educated, and inspired to get into massive action and create change in your life today. Join me weekly as I share insights into the online business world, social media, and many other motivational topics, and also interview some of the world's most incredible humans to help you become the best version of yourself. Hello and welcome back to Rebecca Neal, the podcast. Today's guest is Jess Zvetkov. She's an expert in business-to-business sales, working predominantly within the food, beverage, and personal care categories. She assists in getting startups off the ground, preparing them for competitive wholesale market, but by helping them scale up and realize their true earning potentials. Over the past four years, she's founded three businesses sold to and acquired a further business, a brand of high-end finishing oils and vinegars called Midas 24K. Her distribution venture, Say Hello Eco, works with over 15 sustainable Aussie brands. And she has such a great journey and story to share with you. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Jess. Welcome. Thanks, Beck. I'm so excited to be here. It's so cool because Jess and I have known each other for a really long time. Although we had a bit of a gap in the middle, but we've reconnected in the last year and it's just so cool to be able to see how far each of us have actually come in that space, right? I know. We're both in the kind of nutrition and fitness industry. I guess we were kind of the four influencers of bloggers and I think that's how you and I originally connected. Um, And yeah, I think a lot has changed, but we're both, I believe, doing really well in business. So... I love that. You, you're right. You know, it was blogging before influencing. I didn't, I haven't thought about it that way, but we both had blogs well before we had websites. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so good. So my first question to you, and I always ask my guests this is, how do you enjoy your coffee? Do you have a coffee ritual in the mornings? I don't have coffee every single day, but when I do, it's a soy or an oat latte. Um, and then if I make it myself, I always add a bit of honey. <laughs> nice. I love that. So tell us a little bit more about you, who you are, what you do and why you do what you do. Maybe take the listeners on a bit of a journey of, you know, where it began for you and how you've ended up to where you are today. Sure. So it began, I guess, over 10 years ago. Um, I was studying to be a nutritionist. So I am a tertiary qualified nutritionist. I don't work as one anymore, but basically while I was studying, um, I started a kind of buy and sell business, which is, which is what I do now, but I actually started with vintage clothing. So to kind of get me through uni, I was buying and selling at local markets and I'd also sell directly to vintage shops. So I always had an eye for what was trending, um, even at a young age, I think I was maybe 22 then. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how I started. And then once I got my degree, I did, you know, I worked for the government and, and did all of that. Um, but I always kind of came back to wanting to have my own business. Um, I love the flexibility and, um, to be honest, yeah, I just find it hard to work for other people because I always have a real clear vision of how to do things. Mm. Um, so after that, I did start my nutrition consultancy business and I did the blogging as well. Um, and it was during that time that I realized, um, to make, I guess, a really good income, it's about releasing products. So I worked really hard to gather as much knowledge as I could about building brands, um, and then wholesaling and marketing. Mm. Um, And then I launched my first brand, I think, in 2016. It was a coffee company called Oliver and Edie. Mm. Um, So I launched that with my partner at the time, and he still owns it. Um, And I also launched a distribution business. So that was working directly with brands. So it's mainly in food and nutrition. Um, so yeah, working directly with brands to help them to supply their product to retailers. 
So, um, so that was kind of where that went. I ended up selling um, a couple of those businesses, went overseas for a bit, learned a lot more about um, the food and beverage industry over there and then came back and, and decided to launch something that I was passionate about, which is sustainability. So I have a business called Say Hello Eco. Um, yeah, and I work with, um, I guess, 15 to 20 local brands that all care about the environment and sustainability and they're all locally made. Um, yeah, and, and I work, you know, I supply to well-known stores like IGAs, um, pharmacies, uh, health food shops like GoBiders. So um, we're quite present um, in the market. So that's, that's kind of been my journey. And I did, you know, I used to work as a medical rep and that's where I saw a lot of the waste that can occur in the medical industry. And that's really unavoidable. You know, we can't, it's really hard to limit or reduce that waste. But I saw in the food and industry, that's the food and beverage industry. That's where we can really make some changes. Mm, I love that. And I love that you shared where it began because like we were just talking offline, like there is a journey and a process behind where we are today. And I think a lot of the time when women or men are starting out as an entrepreneur or starting out, you know, with a business, they look at people like us, other people that are having success and, and see it as almost like an overnight thing, right? It's like something that's happened so quickly, but it's actually been a journey and a process. And if you look at what you've created or done in the past, it has actually all been quite similar to lead you to where you are today, would you say? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the first thing I did was buying and selling. And now, you know, I own a distribution company and that's exactly what I do. I buy from brands and I resell their product. So I definitely, I think every business I've had, every job I've had has helped me to, to develop the skills um, in order to be successful now. So it's been, it's been, gosh, probably a 12-year process then. And I've been in and out of working for the government, working for brands, um, and then starting my own thing. And there was a time there when I was, I, I traveled in Europe for a couple of years um, in 2017 and 18. And um, I didn't, I didn't work at all. So it's, it's, you know, I, I've, I've done it. I've done it all basically over the last 12, 12 or so years. So I'm really happy where, you know, I've landed because um, it could have gone in any direction. I could have still been in the, the fashion industry. Um, I could have, uh, who knows, still worked as a nutritionist, but I'm really happy to be where I am with Say Hello Eco today. Yeah, I love that. And I feel the same way, like even with my personal branding and design aspect, like when I was in high school, I wanted to be a creative art director in the advertising space, right? (laughs) Yeah, so it was really early on that I was loving that. And then I moved into studying design when I left high school, like that was where it started. And then I moved into health and fitness and it's all kind of weaved its way together, right? Oh, it's so incredible. Like when we reconnected and I saw what you've achieved, because I think it was just a couple of years where I deleted my socials and, and you moved to Sydney, I moved overseas. And it's so great when I, when I reconnected with you and, and I saw what you were up to. It just, it, it's, it's still related to the Beck I used to know, as in it's still health and fitness but you're just inspiring and helping so many people now, many more than you could have through your your blogging and, and personal training, you know? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. And you also, like, you're this incredible business owner now. It's amazing. We've, we really have come such a long way. So, I, <laughs> Jess, what makes you so passionate about the eco space or the sustainability of, like, the world? Because that's something you are obviously passionate about and that's why you have Say Hello Eco, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, I've always been interested in sustainability. I was always brought up um, to not waste anything and, and, you know, and to recycle and reduce and reuse and everything like that. I think it wasn't until I did that big stint of travelling that I saw how other countries were operating and I realised, yes, as far as waste management, um, we're doing pretty well in Australia, but as far as innovation, we're probably a little bit behind um, and I just started researching. So probably 2019, oh, 2018, I started researching all about um, sustainability. And I ended up, I guess, combining that, um, that knowledge I gained 
with my previous experience in distribution and just decided to combine it. And to my knowledge, no one else in Australia was doing that where they're just working with sustainable brands. So it's it's really important and it is my mission statement um, to um, head towards zero waste and to support other brands to do that as well. Um, but yeah, something, it's been my whole life. It's, you know, but it's only now that I think has really come to the surface how much damage we are doing to um, our environment, the world and the people who live in it. So what are some things like that the average person say could do, not average, but, you know, the general population could do to reduce waste or be more eco-friendly? That's such a good question. So um, I think personally the number one thing you can do is support local. So buying you know, there's no reason why we should keep importing all this product. Um, so I'm, I'm talking specifically about food and beverage. Mm-hmm. We live in one of the most abundant <laughs> and varied countries in the world. We can grow almost anything. There is no need for us to continue to import. We, we can be completely self-sustainable. Um, um, so my biggest thing is always if you're buying anything that comes in a packet, always flipping it over and checking where it's made or at least checking what percentage of Australian ingredients are in it. Because if we can reduce the food miles, we can make a much um, greater impact. So um, on the back, it'll say, it might say 93% Australian ingredients. And that's pretty, pretty damn good. 100 is the best, obviously. But but if you're flipping over something and it's saying um, less than 1% Australian ingredients, that's that's not great. Um, like I said, we grow, we grow hemp here we grow chia seed here that's that's things that you know you're interested in in health and wellness they're things that almost everybody has in their pantry but most of it's imported so it does cost a little bit more but the more people that buy it um now obviously will reduce um the costs of that in the future so it's you know basic supply and demand um so buying australian um what a lot of people don't do is um what's called red cycling Mm -hmm. so that's just soft plastic so every coles and woolies or every coles and woolies to my knowledge has a soft plastics bin so anything that's scrunchable you can put in that bin so for me i actually don't have a kitchen waste bin I have recycling I have my red cycle that I put in a bag and then take to Coles you know once a month or whatever um and then I have my compost bin and I don't have anything else like I I have nothing that I actually and you know recycling it is um you know only about nine percent of plastics are recycled but as far as if you look at scrunchable plastics, 100% of what you put in that bin will get turned into, so they turn into things like um, playground equipment, oh. bench seats. Yeah, it's something a lot of people aren't really aware of, but if you look around, they're, they're located, um, they should be located in every single town and city in Australia. Um, so you're actually repurposing that plastic. Um, things like aluminium and glass, um, you know, the 10 cent um, rebate. So you can take them to your collection sites and get 10 cents back per bottle. Obviously, the average person can't be bothered doing that. I'm one of them. But I have a lady, a local lady who I call whenever I have a full container and she comes and collects it and she goes and gets the 10 cents mm-hmm. per bottle. Yeah, so so you got to think glass and aluminium are highly valuable as far as recycling goes. Um, and if you're recycling them through private entities like Containers for Change or with the plastics through Recycle, um, there's a much higher likelihood that will be recycled and turned into new products. Mm. When you put things in your council recycling bin, we don't know what's happening with that. So it's just about thinking a little bit more about how you can contribute and how you can be more responsible for your own waste. Mm. Um, And then there's things, of course, if you want to look at fashion, it's looking at, you know, reducing how much you spend on fast fashion. Um, If you're looking at skincare, it's, you know, I use coconut oil as moisturiser and I have for probably since I was 15. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it's amazing. It's cheap. And, you know, if you're buying organic and sustainably sourced, it's, it's great. And I reuse the jars. I'm sure you do as well. So those jars get cleaned and they're in my, my cupboard for when I need them. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there's lots of ways. And also buying bulk. 
um, and then decanting or sharing with friends. So I buy rose hydrosol as a toner. I buy it in a litre <laughs> and then I decant it into my little spray bottles and I've offered it to friends as well because that litre is going to last years. Um, it's just a way to, yeah, reduce reduce your impact. So it's just these little things back. And, then, you know, things like I, I, you barely see people buying the plastic bags anymore at Coles and Woolies. It's more tourists who are doing that. Um, everybody has like a, a reusable calico bag um, or... Sometimes I forget mine, you know, I'm piling my groceries up in my hands. So <laughs> I'm yeah. like, how many things can I carry to the car? I know. And then you're trying to open the, <laughs> the door with your elbow. And yeah, it's, look, I think most people are trying, but I think there's a little bit more we can all do. And it's just picking out some of those key things. I'm not perfect. My business isn't perfect, but I know we're on the right track. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's just doing those little things, but it's always buying local. You know, I know you go to the farmer's markets, um, trying to buy organic where possible. These are just little things we can do, um, yeah, to reduce our impact. Yeah, I love that. There's some amazing tips in there. Thank you. <laughs> so if someone's gone, why should I care? What do you oh. say to them? Because, I mean, I know there's people out there that are like, that's just too hard. Why should I care? Does it really make a difference? I know, and I think 2020 definitely brought that home for a lot of people. But what we did see in 2020 is um, when certain places were in lockdown, if you checked the, I forget what it's called, the pollution um, scale or whatever for each country, I, I kept my eye on it and it was incredible to see the carbon emissions decrease dramatically when people had to stay home, right? And, and it's things like that where people go, well, hang on. It's actually pollution that is causing, um, you know, a huge amount of issues, which it is, but that's something that how can we reduce that in the long term outside of lockdown? It's, it's going to be, and I know there's a huge move towards e-cars and things like that, but it's, is that what you call them, e-cars? You're into? I don't know. Like electric cars? Yeah, electric cars. <laughs> <laughs> You're into cars. Like I, I don't know. But, um, but, you know, there's things that, um, you know, these big corporate companies really need to be taking more responsibility. Um, you know, Coca-Cola, I think, were one of the first to launch single-use um, bottles. And then they decided we had to be responsible for recycling it. And yet they introduced it. So, you know, me as a business, that's my goal is to be responsible for, um, you know, at least my brands and, and what I'm doing. Um, but these other big, big corporations need to be doing more. And it shouldn't always be the individual's responsibility. And like you're asking, it, it, it's, I can understand why people go, why should I care? Because it's, it's not really our fault at the end of the day. But it's just about being responsible for what you have like I said I don't have a kitchen bin um and that's me becoming responsible for what I'm purchasing so why should you care I mean that's up to you Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but I think the average person is at least listening and they that you know they can slowly make tweaks if they want to um but really we need to be um petitioning for our government to make more changes and also corporations. So I don't believe it should be the endpoint consumer's responsibility. You know, we're, we're pretty well victims in this. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's up to everybody. Why should you care? That, that's your call. Yeah. <laughs> your I, think, call. <laughs> I think that if we all do our little bit, like you said, it really does make a difference. And, you know, I, I watch my mom who they're downsizing their house and she yeah. like, finding places for all these things to go to because she doesn't like wastage either so she's like where can I take these where can I drop these off and like crazy different things and it's so cool to see that there are so many opportunities like even batteries and charges and things can go anywhere right I know and my boyfriend changed the battery batteries in my remote the other day for my tv and he goes let me guess you know where these go to like the old batteries and I was like yeah you take them to Audi and he was like, shut up. And I'm like, no, seriously. So I have them in my handbag um, in a little um, reusable plastic uh, plastic jar because I didn't want to waste it and ready to take to Audi when I'm walking past. So 
you know, I think what your mum is doing is great. Um, and it's, and it's, yeah, about responsibility. So even if you have old clothes, instead of donating them, you need to be responsible for them because you don't know what's happening to them after that. So you can resell them. There's, um, Depop, there's a marketplace, eBay, you can give them to friends. There's just a way to care a little bit more. And it does sound like that's what your mum is doing. She's really thinking about where all these things should go. So definitely. It's awesome. So (laughs) tell us just what makes up a good brand, like, or a great brand. Like, you know, when you're working with these brands and you're wholesaling or you're reselling, what makes a great brand? Do you know what? At the end of the day, and I know because you're all about personal branding, it's really the branding. You know, that's the reason somebody's going to pick up that product. So that is the number one most important thing is investing in good branding. Um, And that's going to probably be the most costly part. The R&D or, you know, the product development might actually be quite affordable, but it's really if, if we're talking about wholesale and it's sitting on the shelf next to something else, your branding needs to set you apart from the rest. Yeah. So that's, that's the number one thing I always say to my suppliers. If your product tastes good, or sorry, that's for food, but if it's, you know, functional, that's just a bonus. Yeah. People want things that look pretty. And if you have a lot of disposable income, like people of our age group typically do, um, they're willing to spend more to buy something that they can Instagram about or they can proudly um, have on their shelf, you know, and that's, I bought um, a brand last year called Midas, so it's finishing oils and vinegars. Um, The whole thing, they're triple the price or even quadruple the price of your average vinegar or oil, but they look so amazing, you know. That's why people are buying it and it's a bonus that they're high quality. Um, on the inside, but they're buying it because of the shape of the bottle, the label, they reuse them as carafes or vases, you know, it's it's the whole thing and they want to impress their friends with it. So you just always need to think about how that product looks. Um, now, of course, as we're hitting, um, people, people want to see, buy things that are more sustainable. So you've got to think about is the packaging biodegradable? Are you using natural inks to print? You know, there's not saying you have to do that, but it's thinking about those things. Um, and that's, you know, what my business does too is it encourages brands to to exhaust all options instead of just going with the cheapest. Um, yeah, so that's it. And you just always want to be telling a story. There's so many brands out there. We're inundated with, and you know, new brands all the time. But once you start telling that story through social media, or, uh, you know, your newsletter or whatever it is, that's what people really buy into. Um, Everybody wants to feel a part of something. So you can create a little community around um, your brand. I'm sure you agree with what you do. Um, That's going to work out well for you as in profitability um, and also just having that presence um, in the marketplace. So, yeah. I love that. That's (laughs) really good. And you're so right because... I will spend more if it looks better. <laughs> like I, oh. I, when you said that, I was like, you're so right. It's so true. And it, it's well worth the investment. Yeah. But, you know, if you're looking at starting a brand and you're going to skimp on um, the, well, the branding, but also the photography yeah. of that product, you know, you've got to have really great lifestyle shots as well as yeah. product shots. They need to be clear. Um, you know, if you're skimping on that, you're, it's a disservice to your brand and yourself you know so so that's kind of the big investment you're going to have to make so you're going to want to have at least 10 grand that you can put into that depends on the company yeah it depends on what it is but I typically that's that's ballpark figure is about 10 grand to create something like that but you're going to have return on investment so it's just you know definitely worth it for sure I love that because it's, yeah, it is. It's that visual aesthetic pleasing, especially now because, and I know from my end, is that we are selling on Instagram. We are selling, you know, with influencer marketing. We are selling Mm -hmm. on social media. So it needs to look good and it needs to represent the brand and feel good and and look good and all those sorts of things. So I think that's a really key point. And then also the storytelling. You just can't go past a great story. I know. And, you know, and that's what I try to do with Sailor Eco is we tell every brand story, you know, and a lot of distributions or distrib- 
distributors, sorry, I can't even say my own company, um, they they don't tell the story. They're just like, here's the products, buy it if, if you want to or don't buy it if you don't want to. But once you tell that story, people invest in it and that's whether it's a store buyer, a GM, or, you know, the endpoint consumer. Everybody yeah. loves it. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great book. I'm trying to think of what it's called. And I think it's called The Power of Story or Story. A brand oh, really? Book. Yeah, okay. I'll have to find it and add it to the show notes. But um, it's a really cool book for branding and stories behind brands. It's really cool. And I think oh, Seth Godin has one. Is it Seth Godin? I'll have to, I'll have to find it. <laughs> so let's dive into the depths of like, What's the benefit of wholesaling a brand versus retailing a brand? Well, to be honest, you really need to be doing both. So you want to have an online e-commerce presence. That's not something I deal with, but I deal with the wholesale side of things. So the benefits of wholesale is um, shifting volume. Mm. So say if you have an online store and you're selling jam, (laughs) somebody might go on and buy a couple of jars. They might buy whatever it takes to reach free shipping, right? So say it's $30, $50, whatever it is. They're going to buy a couple of jars. When you sell wholesale to a store, they're buying cartons. Mm. So, for example, we sell product in cartons of six. The average store would order at least 10 cartons. So that's 60 jars of jam. (laughs) And and plus, of course, our other brands. So what that then, although it's less profit margin, because you've got to think when you're retailing a product online, that's the highest margin you're going to have. Then you've got your wholesale margin then you've got distributor margin. And then, of course, you need to make a profit somewhere down there as well. So... Um, your profit margin is going to be less when you're wholesaling, but your overall profit is going to be higher and it's going to, you're going to do higher volumes, which will allow you to reduce hopefully the cost of raw materials because you'll be buying more, Um, the cost of your packaging because once again you'll be buying more. So it's going to drive down your costs and increase your profits in the long term. Um, So I'm, you know, uh, it's what I do. I'm a wholesaler. So I, I highly recommend that all brands should be doing both. I think Frank Body Scrub, remember them? Yeah. They're a great example because they were strictly e-commerce. You could only get them online and then they started popping up in stores because even they realized and with all their marketing expertise that being in stores in front of people's faces is really free advertising, mm. right? Plus you're making a profit without actually investing anything into that store. So you'll see them at Mecca and um, I think Sephora and ASOS and all these sorts of places. And it's if they're doing it <laughs> and they've always been kind of the highest example of how to create a successful brand, um, I know there's a lot more other ones since then, but they're always the one I think of. If they're in retailers, then everybody should be aiming toward that. Um, yeah, so other other benefits is really, like I said, the free advertising, having it right in front of people's faces. It's also, you, you do less, um, it's really less work, to be honest, because what you do is you have the, the in-store um, reps or whatever you call them, sales clerks, I don't know, um, they're selling the product for you. So as long as they're aware of that story, they're going to pass on that story to the endpoint consumer. So it's like a relay effect. Mm. And yeah, I, I believe it can be highly, highly beneficial. So um, I do think everybody should be looking at it, but it's you need to be looking at your your margin. So sometimes suppliers will approach me and they want to work with me, but then I say, well, my margins. So the store's margin is thirty seven and a half percent. My margin's thirty percent, and then they're like, oh, well, that means I only make thirty five percent. So that means I only make five percent. Mm. You've got to be thinking of that when you're setting your prices when you launch your business because you need to make at least 100%. Distributor needs to make 30. The stores need to make 37 and a half. So it's, it's, it's a process to actually sit down and devise your pricing if that's the direction you want to go. If you don't want to work with a distributor, then, of course, it leaves you with a bit more room to move. Um, but we do the hard work. So <laughs> it is definitely, I'd recommend looking into um, a local distributor if you are um, a, a small brand, even a big brand. <laughs> yeah, so 
so being a distributor, like I guess you have to invest in that and there's benefits of someone having that because you guys go into stores or you have the connections. Is that right? Well, that's right. So I already have, I'm a small distributor, so I only launched less than 18 months ago. So I started from zero, but I already have more than 200 stores I supply to. That's amazing. Obviously, I want that to be near the thousand mark, but it's process. Mm. Um, so over 200 stores, a, a brand who's also trying to promote online, who's, you know, uh, trying to post daily on social media, who's doing all their own finances, who's got so much on their plate, tapping into a distributor who has 200 plus stockers is a sure thing. It's mm. not a sure thing. Obviously, there's a bit of legwork to do, but it's a way better option than you starting from scratch because I've done that many times. Yes. <laughs> many times in my past businesses, you're starting at zero. Um, and, you know, many distributors, the average distributor would have over 500 um, stockists. National distributors would have thousands. Mm. Um, so I'm on the smaller scale, but it's still, you know, the brands I work with are very happy with the progress to date. Um, for some brands, I'm selling more for them locally. So I just cover Queensland and northern New South Wales, then they're selling nationally. Wow. So that's, yeah, yeah, and that's like quite a few of my brands. So it's, it's you know, if you're working with someone who's passionate like me, you have a higher chance of success and it will, like I said, eventually your, your costs are going to decrease um, and then your profits, you know, obviously will increase. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's like when I share about investing in a coach for my clients and yeah. like that, it's like, the investment in the beginning or the outlay can feel scary or like large, but it's yeah. the return on investment that you gain or the, the way you achieve something much faster because exactly. of the experience, because of the connections, because of all the things, right? So it's, it's that person, that, that middle ground that can get you there faster. Exactly. And that's it. So you're a middleman, I'm a middleman. <laughs> and it's always looking at ROI and it's hard for small brands to see that at the beginning. Um, but it's something that's well worth um, the investment. You know, I think I was listening to a podcast this morning with the founder of Adore Beauty. Oh I, I don't know her name, but she's incredible. Um, and she said her first business coach was $500 an hour. Mm. And she was like, oh, that's a lot. Should I do it? And she's really happy she did, you know. And I, although we're totally different, I think it's the same with a distributor. Yeah, we, we have your best interests at heart. We want to grow your business with you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's like having that that business partner that you might not have, you know, or yeah. that, the, the accountability buddy that you need along the journey. That's absolutely it. And it's like just like a business coach, distributors are there to um, motivate you and inspire you as well. Um, with, you know, new product ideas and ways to reduce your running costs, et cetera, et cetera. So, That's yeah. awesome. Love same, that. Same, same, but different, Beth. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I, I guess you shared a little bit there about, like, boosting your profits. Let's talk a little bit about profit margins and how a brand can maybe help boost their bottom line a little bit. Yeah, so I think it was more the things I said. So when you're looking at food, Obviously, you're looking at um, raw materials, which is going to be a big cost. Um, uh, the design and printing of your materials, so your, your packaging. Um, and then there's little things like, um, uh, like for example, buying, you need to buy things like barcodes, or uh, which costs next to nothing, by the way, Beck. <laughs> but... Um, uh, subscriptions, um, hosting of your website. There's all things that contribute and it's just making sure you're spending money in the right places. Like I know a lot of people to start with will get um, a social media manager and put a lot of money into that. But I personally think kicking off on your own, you, it's going to be more authentic and then you can get the social media manager who can carry on with, you know, that, that authenticity because you've already set the tone of what you want and they'll obviously probably do a better job. Um, but I think investing in that should be kind of like second secondary to first investing in the branding and making sure you're getting high-quality materials. So, um, but, yeah, but once again with profits, it's you want to be making at least 100% yourself if you want to work with a distributor because you're going to lose interest if you're not making 
um, the money you think you deserve. Yeah. And so, so yeah, and like I said, distributors take usually 25 to 30% and retailers take 37 and a half to 40. So you really, it really is a, a quite a, um, it's a lot of money in between your costs and then the cost to the consumer. And it's just trying to reduce that as much as you can. And it's definitely, I think, investing in either a coach or um, a, a distributor is probably a, a good way to go at the beginning um yeah. just so you're in the, the right direction yeah yeah I think that's some great advice you know I even say that to clients myself because most of my clients are startups as well yeah like do everything you can in the beginning and then start outsourcing and investing yeah. after after that because one it brings down your costs but it also allows you to invest in other things that are more important than those things that come later on a hundred percent. And you'll also find out what you're good at and what you're not so good at. Yes. Um, so, and for a lot of people, it is the social media. It is, mm. you know, outsourcing that to more expert people mm. like yourself. Um, but yeah, but I do think it's important to do as much as you can at the beginning, just keeping costs low um, so that, yeah, you can keep reinvesting in the business as it grows. So. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. is there like any common mistakes that you see new brands doing when they're starting out and maybe some practical tips around people you know around how they can avoid these things oh so many things I see the same things pretty well over and over and it's you know it's it's not their fault they just haven't done the amount of research or they're just not picking up on things that um they should have um so one of the biggest things I see is people not registering their business name wow really yeah it happens a lot. And, you know, all you have to do is jump on ASIC to find out, or is it ASIC? ASIC? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is in Australia anyway, to find out if that name has been taken. And it's real time. You know, it used to be you'd have to apply and wait to hear back. It's real time. So you can just type it in. If it's taken, you can find something similar. But if you've already paid someone to develop your logo and you haven't registered that name, you're going to, they're not going to go, oh, that's okay. You're going to have to pay them to redesign it so that legally it's it's registered to you. And it doesn't cost much much to register. I'm thinking it's either 70 or like $120. It's somewhere in, in, that, um, in that range. And then the other thing is buying your domain. So when you register your name, you need to buy your domain straight away and you need to get those handles on social media. Because mm. there's no point in getting, you know, whatever it is, domain, RebeccaNeal.com and then Rebecca Neal on Instagram is taken, mm. you know. So it's you've got to make sure you're doing it all at the same time and making sure it all works together, right? Yeah, um, it's like but, researching the brand name as a whole before investing in any area of it, right, coming up with looking at it, is it available on socials? Hasn't someone already got it? And then am I able to register it, right? Exactly. So it's, it's you got to do all those things at the one time. And it sounds so simple, but a lot of people right. neglect to do that. Um, so, so there's that. Um, what I see a lot of is um, uh, too much information on packaging or not enough. Mm. So I've seen some where they just try and tell you everything on the front, like, you know, and it, it is confusing. What it needs to be is very clear what it is. I had one friend who's amazing. They're releasing a new product and they sent me the images before launch, but, you know, they've already designed and printed them. And on the front, it doesn't actually say what it is. So it just, and it, it's an opaque jar, so you can't see in it. And it just says kakadu plum, kelp and something else. But it does not tell the person what it is. There's no image you would have to flip that over to find out. So that's something that's fine for e-commerce, right? Mm-hmm. But in a store, to retail that product, it's very hard because it doesn't tell you. It could be anything. Yeah. It could be absolutely anything. So that's a major faux pas on their behalf. Um, and then the ones that list too much information, that's just, uh, I don't even know what to say. I see it a lot, not with brands I work with, but I just think, you're confusing the hell out of your customer before they've even invested in it, you know? Um, so those two are kind of big things I see. Um, what else? Oh, forgetting a barcode. So if you want to be in retail shops, you need a barcode and they only cost about $30 maximum. 
Um, so if you're forgetting to do that, that's, I mean, you can just print on the sticker and chuck it on the packaging if you've already designed everything, but ultimately you need to incorporate that into your design. Um, what else? I see um, problems with GST. So some products listing GST when it shouldn't have GST and then some forgoing it when it, it should have it. Um, so if you go on the ATO website, they actually outline which products should contain GST and which shouldn't. So, for example, a bottle of still water doesn't have GST, whereas a bottle of sparkling water does. So you wouldn't be able to guess these things, you know. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, our sunscreen doesn't have zinc, uh, doesn't have GST, but zinc does. Right. So it's these things that you need to actually investigate that before setting your pricing. Um, and stores will pull you up on it and it makes you look unprofessional if you don't know if your product contains GST. Also, you need to be registered for GST um, with the government as well. So... Gosh, there's so many things, but I think they're the main ones. Most information you can get online. So the government provides almost everything you need to know. If you're talking about food for SANS, which you would know about, is a great resource. So they explain everything you legally have to have on a label. So, you know, for example, ingredients need to be listed in descending orders mm -hmm. order. If you mention, if it's, say, chicken nuggets, when you flip over to the ingredients, you need to say what percentage is chicken. Mm. So whatever were, whatever food item you mention in the, the name of the product, it needs to then, you need to be able to tell your consumer what percentage it is and it needs to be accurate. Um, you need to put what percentage is Australian grown produce um, and what's imported. So, yeah, like I said before, it might say 93% Australian. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things you need to do, but all the information you need is a Google search away. So, you know, it's it'd be great if it was all in the one spot, <laughs> but, but really um, these mistakes, I mean, and even just talking to people in your industry, talking to people like me or talking to even your competitors, most people are pretty kind and generous with the information they'll give you. Um, yeah, just making sure what you're doing is industry standard basically. Yeah. They're really great tips. And you're right, like we have so much information at our fingertips. We have no excuse anymore, like to find information and then be able to cross check if it's correct, because there's just, we have access to the internet, right? And that's where it all is. 100%. And some advice I usually give to people is ask before you launch a product, before you do all the printing and all the design, you know, once you have a bit of a sketch of what you want, Ask five people what they think of it and not friends or family. Five, you might find someone in the industry, you might find a coworker or whatever. Ask five different people what they think. And if it's not clear to them what you're selling, you need to change it. Yeah. So it's just, just pick five people off the street really yeah. and they'll be able to tell you. Because like I said, with the brand I work with that hasn't put what the product is on the front, but it's put the ingredients, mm. is just... It's confusing. It's and confusing. It, if they asked just five people, mm. there would have been at least one person who would have said, what is it? Yeah, exactly. And I, that's <laughs> what I teach my clients. It's about being clear and concise. And if someone yeah. doesn't understand what you're, what you're offering, then it's very likely that your ideal customer or consumer is unable to figure it out as well, right? Exactly, Beck. So that's the, I think when you're creating a brand or, you know, you get so involved in it. If you get if you're obsessed with your brand like you should be, you're not going to see those things. Yeah, that's and that's right. where you need to be asking around. And of course, it's always confronting to get negative feedback, but it's really important you do it because if you're investing 10 grand or more in starting this brand, you want it to be successful, right? Totally. You don't want it to flop because of you've forgotten some key details or you've put too much detail. Um, ask around, just ask randoms, honestly. That's going to be your best feedback Yeah, possible. I love that. <laughs> Let's go switch it up on a bit of a personal basis because you are successful and you have this great brand and you've had lots of businesses. 
What about you? Like, do you follow personal routines or have habits and things to keep you in this space of, you know, achieving and being motivated and disciplined to achieve your business? Because a lot of people are like, oh, how do you stay motivated or determined? <laughs> or, you know, you have a lot going on as well. So what keeps you performing at your best? You know, it's funny. Well, most, almost every day is different for me as far as, you know, work and everything. But what I, I do try and start the day on a high. So I have probably a two to three hour morning routine, yeah. <laughs> which is so self-indulgent. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't have kids, so that makes it a bit easier. And I know not everybody has that that time. Um, but I, I was listening to a podcast just a little while back. So I've always set my alarm for like 5.30. Mm-hmm. I was listening to this podcast. I think it was Deepak Chopra, if I'm saying that right, saying we should not be setting alarms and that we should be waking up naturally because it's really about going to bed at a reasonable hour, right? So I stopped setting my alarm a few months ago. Um, and so I wake up naturally anytime between five and seven, and that's totally fine with me. I usually start work at about 10. So regardless of what time I wake up, I will have time to do the things I want. So what I usually do is I try to rehydrate like crazy in the morning. So I have about a liter of a mix of water and green tea. Uh, and then I go for my beauty walk, which is like a 45 minute beach walk. Love that. <laughs> my ex called it my beauty walk. Then I thought, oh, I'm going to keep that forever. That's yeah, so that's great. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so yeah, every morning I do that. And then um, I read a chapter of whatever book I'm reading at that time. Uh, I try and do some sort of education. So sometimes, yeah, it's just learning a new skill or doing something for a while there. It was teaching myself French or using an app to learn French and kind of got over that and then it's on something else. But I'm just trying to cover as many bases so that by the time I start work, I feel like I've accomplished something. I feel centred. And I always make a really nutritious breakfast. That's morning I had chili fried eggs with yeah. avocado and a rocket salad <laughs> and a coffee <laughs> I'm having smoothie bowls still even though it's cold and wet <laughs> oh, it's so funny we complain about the weather but it's still like 20 something degrees I know. <laughs> I've got my jacket on and it's like it's yeah, we're okay. We're going to be it's fine. It's so funny. I was telling my best friend in the States that it was cold and it's like 21 and she's like, what? She's in Detroit and it's like minus. <laughs> yeah, and they're heading into summer as well. So it's like it's we're so, so lucky. lucky. Yeah. yeah um, lucky. But, yeah, no, I love the smoothies too. I usually take a smoothie to work and I just throw whatever – whatever I can see in it so (laughs) yeah so good so what are you currently reading at the moment are you listening to something or have you got something on your bedside table I've got it right here I'm always listening to something but um I'm reading Lost in the Spanish Quarter which is set in my one of my favorite places Napoli in the south of Italy and it's a true story about a woman's experience there so books are always gifted to me I don't buy books so I always get given these amazing books that I love. So I've been reading that, but my best friend gave me this this week, How to Do the Work. Oh, I just downloaded that yesterday. Yes, it just debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller. She's killing it. So the holistic psychologist is her Instagram name, um, and she's amazing. I think she's got millions of followers now. So Dr. Nicole LaPera. So as soon as I'm done with that book, I'm on to this, and I can't wait. Like my friend said, um... You need to journal with it and really, Ooh, yeah, I, I she's can, like have a paper and pen ready. So I think it's going to be pretty intense but totally worth it. Yeah, I love so, yeah, so I, I read whatever people give me and I'm always pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Mainly that they know me so well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have um, friends like that. <laughs> I know. And also, oh, pods. I'm always listening to podcasts. So, of course, I listen to yours. Mm, I've listened to, I think, almost every episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed with you. Um, <laughs> but there's some great ones. I'll actually mention a few because I'll just get it up on the screen. How to Fail is Brilliant. So I think so much we learn about success stories, but it's so great to hear about how people learned from their failures. Love that. So that and Curveball, which is another one about 
Bellies, I think that was one that got released last year due to the curveball we all got thrown. Um, uh, Girl Boss, of course, The Guilty Feminist, um, I Weigh. So it's pretty much a mix of business, feminist, um, psychology and comedy okay. is my, <laughs> my podcast list. And on money, I've been listening to quite a bit about, you know, investing and things like that lately. So Amazing. I'm your girl if you need to know about <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have a podcast about podcasts. <laughs> yeah, let's, that's a great idea. So, Jess, you are such a beautiful human and you've shared such amazing goodness with oh. us today. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Oh, gosh. I think uh, work less. I know that's horrible advice. <laughs> Um, for people who want to succeed but I was working a lot last year 70 hours a week I think and it just isn't okay I took a holiday and now I'm working a lot less and I'm a lot happier and healthier Um, and I'm still achieving just as much so it might not be growing as rapidly but at least um, I'm going to be around to see it (laughs) you're actually living Honestly, <laughs> your health is the most important thing. And um, yeah, that would be my biggest advice is is don't don't overdo it. Um, success doesn't have to come overnight. I know it here it sounds like it does a lot of the time, but it can be a slow process and you're much better off enjoying your morning walks, your you know, your coffee in the morning and really um, yeah, just being more centered and grounded and all that. Love that. Love that so much. Just enjoy being and actually living the process, right? Smell the roses. We're all doing fine. (laughs) You're doing great, sweetie. It's just, um, yeah, really, really um, focusing on, yeah, your relationships, friendships, um, and your health. I think that's the most important thing. Really good advice. So where can people find you online and hang out with you? And how can (laughs) brands work with you? Yes, so if you do want to inquire about um, working together, um, it's we say hello.eco. Um, you can just, you know, say hello eco on Instagram. Um, also, you can check out my other brand, Midas, um, which is midas24k.com.au. And then I'm a private person, so you probably won't, won't get me directly on Insta, but definitely connect with me um, those other ways. So, yay! yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're amazing. You're the best. Since this amazing interview that I did with Jess a week or so ago, I have definitely implemented scrunching. That's what we call it in our house, which is the red cycle. So do check that out because it's amazing when you, um, you look at what you actually use and waste, you can definitely recycle a lot of the packaging and things like that. So look into it. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode because I know it is always amazing to hear from people in different industries that you can learn from and little tips and tricks that you can start implementing in your life straight away today. So I do hope that you do that from this episode. Remember, please take a screenshot, pop it up in your stories on Instagram and tag me and let me know how you enjoyed it today and I'll share it back on my stories. Again, as always, I'm so grateful to have you here and thank you for tuning in. I really do hope that you enjoy the rest of your day and I look forward to catching up with you in the DMs really soon.